You're listening to BiblioAsia Plus, a podcast produced by the National Library of Singapore. At BiblioAsia, we tell stories about Singapore's past, some unfamiliar, others forgotten, all fascinating. Hi everyone, my name is Jimmy Yap and I'm the Editor-in-Chief at BiblioAsia, a magazine of the National Library of Singapore. Today, we will be discussing a very somber topic, the Kranji War Memorial. Situated on a hill along the northern coast of Singapore, the Kranji War Memorial is both a military cemetery as well as a memorial to the thousands who died fighting the Japanese during the Second World War, but whose bodies were never found. The numbers are staggering. The cemetery has more than 4,000 graves, and the memorials name over 24,000 people who are not buried in Kranji, but who are remembered there. Here to talk about this with me is Janice Liu, a librarian with the National Library of Singapore. Janice has done research on the cemetery and written about their lives and their deaths in an article for BiblioAsia. Today, Janice will talk about what she's found, about people like Corporal Raymond Lim Kim Tick of the Strait Settlements Volunteer Force, one of the first to die when Japan bombed Singapore in December 1941, about Second Lieutenant Adnan Saidi and the over 200 soldiers from the Malay Regiment who fought and died at the Battle of Pasir Panjang about Lieutenant Colonel Ivan Leon, who commanded Operation Jaywick and Operation Rimao, and about Mr. Sim Chin Fu, who joined the volunteer unit Dal Force and who fought in the Battle of Bukit Timah. These names may not be familiar to many of us, but they made the ultimate sacrifice in the defense of Singapore. Welcome to BiblioAsia Plus, Janice. Let's jump right in. In Singapore, we always refer to it as the Kranji War Memorial, but it's more than a memorial, isn't it? Okay, it's a very large complex. There's a memorial, but uh, it's also a cemetery, right? Uh, and it's located in, well, Kranji. That's why the name is Kranji War Memorial. But um, aside from the War Memorial, there's also a state cemetery, and there's also a cemetery for like non-World War II burials. But, I mean, we're just focusing on the, the, the Kranji War Memorial and Cemetery component. La. Why was Kranji chosen as a site for uh, this cemetery come memorial? Yeah, so there was an existing cemetery there because there was, a, there was a hospital that was established during the war. And then so there was an existing uh, cemetery from the people who died at the, at the prisoners of war hospital. Yeah, and then, I mean, in the wider context, right, Kranji was kind of like a, a military area. Like, it was transformed into a military in the 1930s. So there was some uh, relevance to the war. Now, tell us about what the cemetery come memorial consists of. Uh, the Kranji War Cemetery, right, it contains uh, over 4,400 burials that are marked by headstones as well as like five memorials. So the five memorials are the Singapore Memorial, the Chinese Memorial, the Singapore Unmaintainable Graves Memorial, the Singapore Cremation Memorial, and the Singapore Civil Hospital Grave Memorial. Right, and and the biggest is the Singapore. Yeah, memorial? the biggest is the is the Singapore Memorial. So I think I think it's a bit abstract to listeners lah, but you 
I mean, you just imagine the, the design of the memorial is like a big plane sitting on a number of pillars. So that's right, right at the top of the hill. Right. Yeah. Right, right. And actually, for the listeners who, who want to know what it looks like, Dennis's article in Biblio Asia actually has a photograph of the memorial, an aerial view, which shows... Yeah, the layout of the place. The layout of the place. And it's actually yeah. quite, quite interesting. I was staring at the, at the photo. You know, but the Crunchyroll Memorial, as you say, it, it contains uh, over 4,000 graves and yeah. commemorates about over 20,000 people who, who died. Yeah, who died, right? but I think um, their bodies uh, were, were, were not, basically not recovered. Like, that's right, yeah. yeah. Or they were in other cemeteries, perhaps. Yeah, yeah, or they were in other cemeteries and, right. and it was just not possible to... To put to them all move, yeah, in the yeah, same cemetery. Move, yeah. So, but... I mean, so clearly it's, a, it's in, in some ways it's a very important cemetery. But to me, it doesn't seem to occupy a very large place in the Singapore imagination. Do you, would, you, would you agree? Yeah, I mean, I can't speak for everyone, but for myself personally, as someone you know, who grew up in the 1990s, I think for me, uh, and probably other people who were born in the... who grew up in that, in that era, you know, you remember Price of Peace, right? That... Uh, that, that Channel 8 uh, production right, which is right, very right, much right. about you know the, the kind of suffering during the Japanese occupation right. I think many Singaporeans the the key thing that they relate most to or that sticks in their mind is the kind of violence you know and the suffering during the the period of Japanese occupation the Sukhching massacre you know and how people lost their family members and it's still a very painful uh, experience uh, a very painful memory right Absolutely. But um, because the Kranji War Cemetery is more of like a military kind of uh, cemetery, it commemorates the people who died uh, right. in the battle for Singapore. But so you went, how many times did you go down to the, the cemetery then? The funny thing is like, the first time that I went there, right, we actually like encountered a tourist okay. who was like laying flowers at, at a headstone. Right. I don't know how come we ended up chatting with uh, this person, but he was, he was just like, it's not his first time here, but he comes back every year to just lay flowers at this tombstone. Not mm. that he's personally related to the to the really? the dead person. Oh, yeah, but he, I think he just found it very, very sad. Perhaps mm. like when he saw, uh, maybe on his previous visit, when he saw the the age of the person who passed away, right. and it's probably like around his age. So he, I guess he felt moved by that. So mm. every time he would come back to Singapore, he would lay flowers at the the grave. Right. Of yeah, basically somebody who is who's not even a family member or anything. Right. So so that really like left an impression on me. Yeah. I mean, if you are just reading a description about the cemetery at home, and I mean, of course there are a lot of photographs online, but none of the photographs ad adequately capture the scale of exactly. the cemetery. Exactly, it's enormous, yeah. right? Yeah, it's enormous. It's, yeah, it's quiet mm. and and it yeah. spreads out. Yeah. Like that was that was what hit me about the cemetery. It's just mm. the scale and the serenity of the place. So actually, that's interesting because you 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 write about some of the people who were buried there. Mm. So did you look up their names before going to look for them in the cemetery, or was it the other way around? Uh, I looked up their names. Okay, so there's the Commonwealth uh, War Graves Commission, right? They maintain a database of uh, the dead that they are like commemorated and also buried in various sites around the world. So if you, you know, you can just go to the database and you can just download an Excel sheet of all the, all the names that are, you know, commemorated and buried at Crunchy War Cemetery. 
maybe you can go back to you know the the people who are some of the people who are buried there. So one of them was uh, Raymond Lee Kim Tick of the Straits Settlements Volunteer Force. How did you find out about him? As you say, you, you mentioned earlier, right? he's one of the first few people who actually died. Right? He died on like the eighth of December or something, nineteen forty-one. Yeah, during the I think the the, the first initial Japanese, raid, the initial air raid. Yeah, so yeah, basically right. he was in a he was in a trench or right. something. Yeah, yeah with yeah. with his with his um colleague, and then he right. he jumped out, and I think um he jumped out too soon, like, and then he right. got he got hit. Yeah, but I think um Raymond Lee is just one. I think I'm I feel like I'm really barely scratching the surface here. So I only came across like Raymond because his name is mentioned in accounts of the war. Right. Yeah, so basically the research the research process of like looking out for these individuals is basically, you know, you read through the research, you know, and then you find these sort of interesting mentions of people uh, and, the, you know, acts of bravery or like, yeah, and then you like search up the Commonwealth War Graves database and see whether they were actually buried there. Other um, other famous people who are commemorated there include, you know, Lieutenant Adnan, right, of the of the Malay Regiment. Yeah, so he's commemorated on the Singapore Memorial because unfortunately, uh, him and many of his fellow soldiers from the Malay Regiment, their their bodies were were, were not recovered, we'll recovered. La. Yeah, so I mean, it's very sad, you know, unfortunately that, but at least their names are inscribed somewhere permanently. Right. And then, I, I think you also mentioned uh, a lady, Madam Ching Xiang Ho. Yeah, right? Madam Ching, yeah. Yeah, and, and uh, how, how did you find out about her? And She wasn't buried there. She survived the war, right, but right. her husband didn't. So right. I think for Madam Ching, right, I mean, I, I think I read about her in the, the book by the architect. La, right. Or I think in his, his article in Bible Asia. And... I think it's just a very compelling and very moving account that right. that really demonstrates like the kind of far-reaching effect of the war. That yes, you know the people who died, but then there are also the people who the family members who survived and they have to live on with the pain right, right. of and, that loss. Yeah. And actually, you mentioned I think in your in your article right that um, during the opening of the Kranji mm. War Cemetery, that's how people got to know about her because she broke down yeah. and started crying, right? Yeah, during yeah, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. During event. the, yes, correct, correct. Right. Yeah, and then it was reported in the news. La. I mean, basically just to give a little bit of background, right? So, you know, Madam Ching Xiang Ho, she, she joined the, the Chinese volunteer force with her husband, Sim Chin Fu, like after the war, I think after the war started or something. Like, right. re- yeah, yeah. So, they were both in their 60s, but they decided to join. Yeah. Yeah, your 60s, I'm not in my sixties yet, and I, I, you know, but I, I don't think I would, you know, pick up arms. But clearly, people are different people, right? In their sixties, they're picking up arms to, to. Yeah, to, to yeah, yeah. And then it was, uh, I mean, after the war, when when her story was reported in the papers, right? They kind of describe how she and her husband put up a very brave front at the Battle of Bukit Timah, and they were like shooting, shooting from behind tree stumps or right. something like that. Wow. Then after that, I mean, they survived that. But afterwards, I think when uh, the husband was caught by the Kempitai. Right. Yeah, by, by the Japanese and he was tortured and 
yeah, like, he died. Wow. But I think his body was never recovered. So his name is actually commemorated on the Singapore Memorial. Oh, I didn't know his body was not recovered. So it was just a commemoration. I think the very sad thing, okay, this part which I didn't include in my article ah. is that Madam Ching's story kind of like came up even before the unveiling of the oh, memorial really? in 1950s. She was mentioned in the Social Welfare Department's annual report of 1947. I mean, after the war, she was destitute, she needed help from the government, so she approached the Social Welfare Department for help, and then they gave her uh, an allowance and they and they set her up in a in a flat, like a one room flat in Crater Ayer. You know, the, obviously the cemetery or the memorial has. The soldiers who were involved in the, the operations Remau and Operation J Week, right? Yeah, Operation yeah, J Week yeah, and Operation Remau, right? Operations, so, yeah. I think it's Operation J Week was which was yeah, the, it was the first one, the, the yeah. bigger and the, the better known one, right? And what what happened in that in that operation? So in 1942, right, a group of like 14 commandos from this like special Z unit. Uh, they conducted a, a mission to like sabotage uh, Japanese shipping in Singapore Harbour. So what they did was they actually captured like Japanese fishing vessel and they used it to go undercover and they disguised themselves as fishermen. And that fishing vessel travelled from Australia all the way to the Riau Islands where they set up a base. And then from the base, right, I think they tried to get as close as possible to the Singapore Harbour. And then they used kayak to like paddle into the harbour and then attach mines to Japanese ships. And I think they managed to sink a couple of them. So, I mean, it's, it's a very incredible mission, like, sure. if you read about it. It's like larger than life and, yeah. But also, I think, I seem to remember, right, Operation JWIC led to the double tenth incident. Yeah, because, of course, after the, the ships, you know, the mines exploded and the ships sank, right, or, or of course the, the Japanese went around on a, on a hunt la, for who were the culprits. And of course, unfortunately, they, I guess they thought that it must have been some people in, in, the, in, in the prisons, right? right. Uh, yeah, and then so they, of course, they tortured, you know, people to extract confessions and stuff like that. So right. unfortunately, you know, people lost their lives la, as a result. Again, with as, as with many of them, you know, some of the people involved in Operation JWIC and, and RIMA were buried in Kranji, but mm. I, I guess others, their bodies were never recovered. Okay, so for, I mean, the success of Operation JWIC, right, then spawned uh, a follow-up kind of operation that is also, that wanted to use the same kind of strategy, right, disguise yourself and then try and like slip into Singapore Harbour and attach mines to Japanese ships. But unfortunately, this uh, because of the stepped-up patrols by the Japanese, this um, plot was uncovered. So this team of 23 uh, commandos, I think, um, you know, what ensued was this, like, chase uh, in the Riau Islands. Uh, and then the, the Japanese managed to capture and then kill 13 men from right. the 23. And then the remaining 10 uh, were actually captured and jailed at the Utram Road prison in Singapore and then they were tried for espionage and beheaded uh, in 1945. Oh, wow. So the, the collective remains uh, of 10 Rima commandos are actually in Kranji. Right, right. And so, of course, yeah, yeah. It was, JWIC was successful and nobody was captured. It was Rima, the follow-up operation that yeah. was in some ways unsuccessful and led to people getting caught and, and, and killed. In, in your article in Bibliotheca, mm. you wrote about uh, Sergeant Gordon Lang. Who is Sergeant Gordon Lang and how did we end up getting his papers? 
actually, I think uh, what I understand is that it's, it's totally serendipitous. Like mm. how people decide to donate things to the library. I mean, but we're very we're very lucky like, at the end of it. So, um, basically, the wife of the donor, Dane Cohen, was visiting an exhibition at the National Library in 2019. And then I think she got to talk to the curator. And she mentioned that, you know, she had these uh, photographs that were related to Singapore and World War II. So, the donor is Dane Cohen. So, Sergeant Gordon Lang is his great uncle. Right. Yeah, and then uh, so Dane Cohen got in touch with us, and, and that's how we we got the materials, lah. And and mm. is uh, Sergeant uh, Gordon Lang also uh, was he buried in or, or did he survive no. the war? No, 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 <laughs> he didn't survive the war. Right, he he's actually commemorated at the Singapore Memorial right. on column one hundred and nineteen. So. Um, you know, if you look up his name in the Commonwealth War Graves Commission database, right, uh, you find that he actually served in 218th Australian Infantry Battalion and then arrived in Singapore in on 18 February 1941 and then he was immediately sent north to Port Dixon uh, in Malaya for training. And then um, they wanted to conduct uh, an ambush on the Japanese troops, but but that failed. Uh. So I think he was he was uh, believed to have been killed in an engagement along with 82 other men on, on that day. In, in Malaya? Yeah, in Malaya, yeah. So um, this this ambush uh, uh, happened at Nifsdale Estate, south of Mersing. Right. Yeah, right, so his right. body was not uh, was not recovered. You know, thank you, Janice, for, for, for running us through the, the, the Kranji War Cemetery. But before we, we, we sign up, first, Janice, thank you very much for coming in. Don't think too much. I'm going to ask you very quick questions. Give me your immediate answer, okay? Coolest person in Singapore history that's not me. Currently, it's Madam Ching Siang Ho. Okay. Right. <laughs> Since Good we answer. just spoke about her. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Which historical figure would you like to have dinner with? I don't really have anybody in mind. Eh. Really? Yeah. Okay. I mean, I always felt that. I, I just want to have uh, like a dinner with you know the people that I come across in the photographs oh, from okay. the 19th century. You know, right, they could right, be hawkers right. or whoever, you know, the, the really the common people, you know. <laughs> I'm not really interested in having dinner with historical, like, <laughs> big figures. Okay, okay. <laughs> um, what do you think is, like, the most underrated or intriguing period of, of Singapore's history? Well, underrated? Uh, mm. I would say our recent past is not so... Uh, it's not so well documented because we feel that it's still very recent, right? Yeah. You know, and then I I feel that we have been uh, collecting a lot of the colonial era. You know, that's quite well studied and all that. But I think moving, yeah, maybe like the eighties or the nineties. But I mean, if you ask me, like in what what period of Singapore history I would I would like to be born in, right, or live through, right? I feel like the post war period is probably very exciting. You know, mm. like the fifth the 60s, 50s, 60s when, you know, you would see the landscape undergoing like really massive transformation right. on a scale that, I mean, you, you, you wouldn't see today, right? Because it's a complete clean slate kind of thing. So I just feel right. that, you know, I, I, it would be nice to experience that kind of momentum. Right, right. You know, right. In, in the boom days, uh, as, as it were. For I, I, I think maybe that's, it would be nice to observe, but maybe not necessarily to experience, I, right? Because if you... That's true. Right? <laughs> because like, if you were in a farm and suddenly you get resettled or... Yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah, or, or, yeah Although, yeah, I mean, okay. of course, it, yeah. it does come with like, you know, improvements yeah. to... Yeah. You know, there's running water and electricity and you stop yeah. living in slums. That's obviously true, a good true. thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm, I'm looking at this from the benefit of today. La. Mm. So, you know, from today, because it has always been like a narrative of progress, right? Yes. So, I'm, so that is my own bias. La. But of course, you know, for the people 
who had to experience this kind of like uh, massive changes at the time, it must have been very uh, dislocating. Yeah, yeah, I yeah, can imagine. Definitely. I mean, I, I think I would welcome the the running water and electricity, but but um, <laughs> maybe not being resettled, for example, right? We we you know, if you li- used to live on a farm and then you suddenly have to live in an HDB flat. It's, yeah. it's not so fun. Okay, yeah. Um, yeah. two other questions. Um, uh, history, complete this sentence. History is? Personal. Okay, good. Um, and uh, the last question is, uh, Biblioasia is? Uh, <laughs> I'm looking at the editor of Biblioasia right now. And so don't he's say asking boring. Me what is, no, I'm Just not don't saying say boring. boring. I'm not saying boring. I'm saying, okay, I'm going to say it's dynamic. Okay. Yeah, because, you know, a lot of things are changing. Janice, thank you for joining me on BiblioAsia Plus. To learn more about the Crown Jewel War Cemetery, check out Janice's article on the BiblioAsia website at biblioasia.nlb.gov.sg. If you've enjoyed this episode, subscribe to the podcast and the BiblioAsia newsletter. Thank you for joining me on BiblioAsia Plus.